0: one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every practice, every kind of impurity. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Um, Before we start the sermon, uh, this part of the sermon series this morning, I want to thank um, our pastor, um, Amari Hill, for preaching for me last week. Um, I had to eulogize my aunt up in uh, Maryland and um, thank you for your kind words and prayers um, you know as a pastor in a family I've ma- I married my brothers right? did their weddings and I eulogized my mom and now my aunt and possibly some more so it's a real interesting situation to be in a family and be a minister of the gospel um, and so your prayers are good because I need time to mourn too right like I need ministry too instead of being the one who does the ministry. And so I appreciate how you guys cared for me and the things you said, and uh, Amari being willing to step up here and preach, so I I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, I want you to know that I'm here this week, next week, I'm out again. Um, Just so you know, this time of year is a lot of committee meetings, and I serve on a few committees. And um, I'm on the board of Covenant College, our denominations college, and so I'll be there next week and then in a couple of weeks I have another committee meeting. So I just want you to know I'm here, um, but I'll be out every now and then a little bit in the spring. Um, But we're going to continue on this sermon series on the mission and vision of Christ Central Church. And as we continue in this sermon series, um, it's my hope um, through these group of sermons that you would better understand what we believe God is calling this church and you who are part of it and even beyond that you who are believers what god is calling you to be about and basic and authentic to the mission of christ central church is the importance if you look at our mission statement of growing in diverse community growing in diverse community uh, we're talking about individuals coming from all backgrounds and experiences and levels of faith and understanding and cultures coming together around a common reality. And for us, that common reality is that Jesus has reached and redeemed broken people like you and me and made us and declared us to be the children and people of God. And when our mission talks about diverse community, we are talking about a place in people who are more? It's it's more than just some kind of organic relationships that just happen to come together. But but we are working for intentional institution. God's diverse community of faith called the church. And for the church community, the Apostle Paul was dealing with back then in the passage that we read this morning, it was made up of Gentiles who had little or no spiritual heritage with the God of the Bible coming together with Jews who had a deep heritage of religion and faith. And so it was imperative imperative that they, like you and me today, begin to learn what it means to grow and become a diverse community. There are three things, three, okay? There are three things in this passage. This passage is showing us about diverse community that I want us to focus on. First, we are called to togetherness. Secondly, we are called to submission. And finally, we are called to know the Lord in diverse community. First, we see that we are called to togetherness because You can't be the Lord's and choose to be alone. You can't be the Lord's and choose to be alone. Look at verse 1 in chapter 4 that we read. It says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul describes the life of a believer as a walk, a walk. That as a believer, this is who you are called to be now. According to that new spirit God has put in you, walk this way, walk in this way or path or live that way. I, remember, I I can't remember which Mission Impossible it is. They're kind of running together in my mind. I think it was Mission Impossible 3 when he had to go in that water thing to unlock. Anybody remember that? We had to dive and undo the locks. Anyway, gosh, how old is that movie? I saw it in syndication the other day. but. <laughs> In order to unlock it, they had like the eye scan, the, the finger scan, the voice scan. And then they had a real interesting thing. They had the gait scan, right, where they would measure how you walk. And they were like, oh, we can't break into this one, y'all. Right? And, 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 and some of you even fell for your significant other because of their walk, right? Just the way they walked. <laughs> they got my attention. What's up, girl? No, that wouldn't get anybody. Anyway. (laughs) What's up? Whatever. Something about the walk tells us who they are and maybe something about how they are, right? Whether they're confident or insecure or afraid or some of you try to be cool. The Bible is saying we can in large part tell who a believer is and whether they are a believer, or maybe a believer, by the way they live or walk and in that that they can't be alone now me. they can't be alone and choose to be alone and then claim to be true to their calling if they make a decision to walk alone that believers in god confirm and affirm who they are by not making a choice to be and live alone but rather finding themselves in community christ-centered community with others Look at what the descriptions of the walk look like in verse 2. He says here, walk with humility and gentleness and patience. And then it says, bearing with one another in love. Then it says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That description of what it means to be in the body of Christ, what it means to be a believer, it all says what? That you are called to live with others. That if you're a believer and claim to be so and desire to be one, your life will be marked by and characterized by someone who has to struggle and be patient and work hard and hope together with people and be bonded together, kind of, and bonded means cemented together in love. Love acted out between each other is a part of what it means to be a believer, And look what he describes here as the work of God in the life of a person who says they walk with God. Look at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It's oneness from many. It's one hope held by many people. It is one family, one body, one church made up of different people, you being one of them if you're a believer, intentionally walking through life and walking the life of faith together. What that challenges and encourages us with is this, that if you're a believer, then you must be in real time Not only in a spiritual way. Oh, I'm connected with everybody in the world who are believers. Yes, that's true. But this scripture is saying not just in a spiritual way. That's not what it's just talking about here. But in a committed family relationship, you should find yourself in a committed family relationship with a group of people. And it isn't flighty or temporal from church to church and person to person. The words used here to describe your believing walk would beg otherwise. Think about it. Patience and long-suffering and working to keep unity, those aren't flighty descriptions. It means you're in it for the long haul for people whom you hope to eventually be cemented in a unity with the Spirit, right, to grow together whether you're church hopping or you don't have membership anywhere or you've reasoned between yourself and some wrong concept of God, that somehow you have a higher calling than that lived out in membership or committed or intentional or like ours, some kind of vowed relationship and some body believers that that somehow you've reasoned that you belong to the spiritual church and that's all that matters. This scripture... The word of God says that thinking is wrong. So if you are not tied in some way with a physical, geographical, yeah, I said geographical, not just online, right? Accountable group of believers, then you, number one, are missing out on the pleasures and joys of being a believer. Or number two, maybe you aren't a believer. Because the same spirit that was at work in you to call you to faith, the Scripture's teaching us, is the same spirit that works to create the community of faith. As a matter of fact, I kind of feel sad when I think about these so-called freedoms from church. (laughs) Because in the so-called freedom, you've become lost and losing what God has intended for you to be and enjoy the people of God. And what's worse for some of us is that some of us are so afraid of or or scarred by past rejection or or afraid of being crushed or being overlooked. Or some of you have experienced, and, and I know it happens in churches, you've experienced spiritual abuse that now you can't risk being in the community or in togetherness with other believers. Some of us are paralyzed to go any further than my personal relationship with God. And we kind of hold it, right? Like, Like the most precious thing. And we are afraid to share who we really are in relationship with other people. But here's the irony of that. Your fear of giving and being loved and being known is a clear indication that you have not known or you're missing out on the love of God gifted to us through togetherness. And here is where it gets tricky. What we fear in being too close or committed or known is the very thing. Commitment in being known is the very thing you need to break out of that fear. It's a big step. I know it is for me. Scripture's saying... You have to, there's a faith step. There's a risk to being loved by someone else that you can come in not so good at togetherness, yet it's someone else's breaking through with you that breaks the chains of the fear that paralyzes you from really coming together in community. And now it makes sense, right? Why we are called in verse 2 to engage each other, engage each other and come into togetherness and community with what? Humility. Humility gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, right? The Lord knows and anticipates that we are relational scaredy-cats, right? In some way who need to be carefully handled. Now, this may be a, 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 a comment about the church, that we aren't gentle. We aren't patient, one, one criticism I get a lot, you guys aren't humble, right? I, I don't want to come into a community where you talk about God being a father who adopts orphans when you act like you are supposed to be there. Like the people in a church act like they deserve it, like they've earned it with their behavior, like they're there because of their good works. And yet everything in the gospel says otherwise. Unless you know that truth as a believer, we will tend not to speak with humility and patience, right, and gentleness with those who are scared to come in. You aren't called to enjoy God and be free and know His love as a believer alone. You and I not only can't be His alone; we can't live as His alone. Let's look at verse seven here. Okay. I'm gonna read a. Let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna read some. Um, I'm gonna read a lot of scripture here. So just just hang in here. Verse seven. But grace was given to each one of us, that's the body of believers coming together according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Hear this now. For building up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is you guys coming together. okay? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, that's not good, y'all, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, that's not good stuff. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That means growing in a relationship with the Lord. From whom the whole body, that's y'all again, joined, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, I said a lot. No, I didn't. The Scripture said a lot. We'll come back to some of that. What I want you to see is that no one can live as a believer alone. Why? First and obvious, you came to Christ because someone else told you right? How'd you become a believer? Somehow somebody put the word out there. Even, I've, I found a Bible on the ground. Somebody wrote it. Sorry, you didn't come alone, right? right? I'm not talking about extreme cases, and yes, I know missionaries have extreme cases where they met Jesus in a dream, right? Um, but and we always, I don't don't want to get into that, but because we like to go to the thief on the cross theology. Well, the thief on the cross was never in the church, and it looks like he went to heaven. If he could have gotten off the cross, right, he would have gone to church. All right, let's, (laughs) y'all do everything in life. You don't do anything in life with the lowest common denominator denominator, thief on the cross theology. But when it comes to belief, well, the thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized. He never went to Bible study. He went to heaven. Uh, He didn't want to be on the cross. (laughs) Why don't you get on the cross and then you can live like he did, all right? (laughs) Forget that. Come on, man. If we look at verse 12, it is teaching us that we are led to maturity in Christ by loving and being in Christ-centered community with each other, that we strengthen each other, to love by love, by being involved and showing up and helping and speaking into each other's lives. And if we look at, again at verse 14 and 16, that without this interaction built on the authentic relationships that you find in, in, in Christian community, knowing and speaking into the stuff of our lives, caught up in each other's lives for each other, we will be like verse 14 says, right? We will be tossed back and forth. The apostle paul is letting us know we will fall back and he adds a cap to this in the following verses look at verse 17 now this i say and testify in the lord that you must no longer walk as the gentiles do in the futility of their minds i speaking to believers here they are darkened and their understanding alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them Due to the hardness of their heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. I don't know if you had verse 20 or not. He is saying that without the church, without the body, without believers coming together in intentional community, you and I will go back to being or or be completely consumed in something that we are battling that is hurting us, or you are continuing in some way as an addict and victim of sin, or addict and victim of fear and pain and hurt, you and I won't grow and live without the community of faith. We will slip and we will fall and we will not be able to get back up. My short-lived pastoral and personal experience that I have And then most importantly, for what scripture teaches us. You know what it means if you choose to walk or live alone and not share your stuff in life with anybody? Most times than not, means you faking it. Are you flaking in some way? Right? I'm not trying to be a jerk up here. The, 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 it, it's a sadness for you to have to live skating and dancing and falling because you want to do it alone. You know, when I think about you know, when we decide, you know, I'm just doing this thing on my own. My spiritual life is personal, right? I'm just doing some personal management right now. It's only a matter of time before the, like, the inner and outer demons and issues of this heavy, dark, kind of messed up, evil world overtakes us. We are called to help each other in this place, in this life of promised struggle and suffering. remember when we, Kelly and I, first moved into the Belmont neighborhood, not the one when you go over there you all see now, with people running and jogging and baby strolling. Mm -mm. (laughs) With their dog on a leash. And it's a dog, and it isn't a pit bull. That ain't the neighborhood we grew up in. People walking with chihuahuas and everything. (laughs) You didn't have no pit bull. You didn't walk in the neighborhood. Pit bull with a big old chain. You know what I'm saying? We moved in. Um, It was what they described as a fragile neighborhood, right? It means most of y'all shouldn't move there if you don't know what you're doing, right? I didn't. I put my nice rocking chair. Remember that nice rocking chair we had I put on the front porch without chaining it down the first night? And, And when we moved there, that meant garage sale and it was free. You remember, if you left your stuff out, And if you bought something new, you didn't put the box in your trash can, put it in somebody else's, right? (laughs) They would do that too. Remember that happened to somebody? Somebody bought a flat screen TV. They took the new box, put it in someone else's trash can. That person's house got broken into, right? (laughs) No, you'd be shifting the boxes to everybody's house, right? (laughs) I remember when... um, Amanda, it was a now she's Womac now, but it used to be Amanda Bull. And when she moved in, she was single then. We told her get a alarm, get a phone, get lights. You know, you need some help, right? Um, and she was like, "Nope, I don't need all that. I'm good." And then something happened. What happened? Somebody came in. What four different times? She even got a Great Dane. Great Dane ain't no dog for the hood, y'all. A great Dane is Scooby-Doo, okay? When the, I remember she had that big dog. The criminal ran in. That big dog ran out the back door, right? Don't get Scooby-Doo. Froggy, you know, that's, that's Scooby-Doo. He's looking for a Scooby snack. He ain't looking to bite nobody, right? Well, let's get back to, you know, the, the biblical thing going on here. One of the greatest things I saw was after she was broken in that day, Jeremy, who was here at the time, and his friend Joey, them getting out the car, right? Showing up all loud and strong, looking around. What happened out in here? Who broke into your house? Just looking around, like, i like, who are these people? And we're like, these her brothers, y'all, right? We're here to put up lights. We're here to put an alarm on. We're here to represent that what? She is not alone. This is the kind of community and attitude we should have. Be ready to throw down for each other in a world this dark and lonely, right? <laughs> Do you have such freedom and confidence in a relationship to call somebody at 2 in the morning? Who you got? I said this before in our new members class. If you're, if you're on a date and a brother try to act a fool, Right? No condemnation. This is the body of Christ. I'm talking about real stuff, y'all. Even if you got to pick up the phone, maybe, maybe, oh yeah, you ate, went up to the apartment, went to the house, whatever, and you realize you're alone and something ain't right, pick up the phone. That's the community we're talking about. No condemnation, no questions. Let's just get home. We should be a community you can call and be in without shame or fear even in broken relationships. You know what I realized for myself and for many of you? You can't even be married alone. Did you know that? You can't stay married alone, right? And and, and there have been times in the life of this ministry, I have gone and picked somebody up and said, you going back home, right? What you doing here? I don't know. I know you ain't supposed to be here. Let's go. Right? When we stray, when we have issues, we have problems, when we're broken. This is the real deal of community together. The Bible is teaching that we no one not me either we can't be left alone with our thoughts of sin and sin struggle like verse 14 implies you will develop or gain some messed up thoughts about God and yourself and your calling alone you you can't handle life issues some of you are tired of fighting and have given in to whatever's bothering you you've said I'll just be alone you know why because you tried to deal with it alone Living with and for this Lord, for the Lord in this world is not a one man boat. Your life is like a jetliner, right? It's a cruise ship, right? It's not a sailboat. It's a a many people, all hands on deck in a stormy world. That is your life, right? God has given us a life, our own lives, in a way where somebody else and other people have to actually handle it and negotiate it through this world. So we are called to community, a diverse community that works. For us not to be alone only if we submit ourselves to it. Submit ourselves to it. Now, submission is not a word we use a whole lot. I don't like the word submission, right? Just listen to the word submission, right? So not seem right. It, it, it sounds, uh, it doesn't have a good vibe. The word, word sounds like someone scraping your gums, right? With, with something historically rusty and salty, right? Submission.
0: Ugh.
1: But let's take another look at what, is, what it means as we apply it here, as we are called to submit to each other. Now, we have already highlighted in the last point the idea of helping and leading and loving each other. Look again at verse 14 through 16 with me. It is clear that this kind of transformation, growing in Christ, being a believer, to be more like Jesus, more like the human beings God designed for you to be, requires a degree of submission to one another. Now, I'm not going to talk about this too long because we got some other sermons to deal with that. And we'll dive into it deeper. But you must respect and submit to two things in diverse communities like the church. Submit yourselves to being used by God in ministering to each other. Yes, you are the key in all of us here being transformed by God's power. God is using you if he's called you into community. And secondly, submit to each other as if your blessing, as some of you like to say, your blessing is coming through and from the person sitting right next to you or in front of you. We must respect the reality in God's church that God's blessings from heaven come as we submit and are joined together with each other it's not coming from up front right i I know in this kind of um cult leader pastoral world kind of churches you see i'm going to go ahead and just let you know what the bible teaches the bible is teaching that the blessings that god has for you to grow in faith do not come just from up front It doesn't come from the person with a master in divinity degree. It doesn't come from the person with reverend in front of their name or pastor in front of their name, right? Or or the one who speaks the loudest and longest at church service in the morning, right? The Bible is teaching here, you just read it, and you go back and read it yourself later, that we grow as each one of us deal and are equipped to deal and submit to each other that's the church. The church is not a TED Talk, right? Okay, I'm getting to another sermon. But anyway, the the church is not, oh, we go into this conference and the expert dude up front is going to tell us how to live. No, that's not the church, The church, the means of growth, right, the the way the, the life of the church passes through you in your life and how you live, it happens as each one of you take their place in this community. There is no super Christian among us. There's only one head of God's church, and that is Christ. And the Bible says that we are all joined to him, and then the body is joined to each other, and that's how we grow. So if you think you can come, I'm going to hear Pastor Brown. My pastor preaching. Ooh, the pastor had a word today. That's great. I love to hear that stuff. Make me feel good too, right? Man, I I really been growing from that sermon series. That's nice. But the Bible is saying something more here. It's good to submit to what I'm saying, blah, 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 and all of that, and great. But are you submitted to each other because you're not growing the way you should if you're not? Dog, I just gave away so much power. Okay, moving on. (laughs) I'm going to take it back a little bit, though. Because there's a stronger, more formal corporate call to submission here. I want you to see in verse 7. Look back with me at verse 7. It says here, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he, Christ, ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, hear this part. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain a unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so let me, let me explain this picture here about him leading captives and all that. It, this, this picture is a flip. Of what would happen when a king would go off the war and win when he'd go off the war and win right the people would throw stuff at him right hey we give this we throw our crowns at you we do this the flip is this jesus breaks jesus wins against sin and death in the grave and instead of us giving him gifts he comes back from the grave and gives us gifts And one gift, it says here. Here, Jesus, the Savior King, gives gifts that He has won in His victory over our sin and brokenness. You know what it's saying here? Verse 7 says He gives an administration of gifts, is the word here. Now, the word administration, for some of us non-corporate free spirit types, something you may not want to hear or recognize about Jesus' work and community, because community is such a, you know, free organic word. The word apportioned here is the word administrated. Oh, Lord, right? Jesus, for the health of his people, has brought administration to the body. I don't like administration, right? I like to do what I want to do right? You don't want the red tape. You don't want no rules. You don't want nobody above you who can tell you stuff and lead you and guide you and you got to listen to. No, Jesus says he gave his church administration. And then look at verse 11. It says here, and it's got the prophets and the priests and the apostles and the teachers and the pastors and all those people. He has given leaders, the Bible says, he's administrated, right? He set it up. God, Jesus came and he set up a company, if you will, right? And he set up how it should work. And he has given leaders to feed the church. And you have this historical progression of the church and then standard truth speaking offices. So you have apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, all of which have one thing in common. They speak about God for God, for you, the church, so that you can be changed and challenged and you can be grounded by the word, the voice of God for God's people. They preach the gospel and they offer the gospel. They minister the gospel, the outworkings of The message of God's love for his people in Jesus Christ. But that administrative work, the institution of the church, has always and should always be about you and me being equipped. All right, let let me set this up again because this is Charlotte. How many churches we got? 900 and something? 900 and something churches. Okay pastors shepherds leaders reverends priests right what's the scriptures say their job is right to equip you right not to take from you not to take glory right not to do the work of ministry all themselves right The work of ministry is your ministry, the people in the body of Christ, the person who equips, giving the word, giving the means of grace. We're about to have the Lord's Supper in a minute here. Baptizing folk, right? Making sure you stay on a church list. Making sure you have what you take to be equipped and tooled, not just to do the work of ministry, but to get the benefits of the ministry that are good and pleasurable and joyful for your soul but it requires submission. It means you do come to church. It it means you do struggle through kind of a long sermon. Right? You just struggle through. Sometimes I struggle too, right? I'm looking at this, I'm like, whoa. Let me make this simpler, right? It means you do go to community group. Well, community group, you know, and Bible study—that's just a consolation prize for the super Christians. No, you know. It, it, okay, all right. So we, we, we—I I can just talk straight. Like the, the pastors and staff and elders and deacons and women shepherds and all the people who who kind of form the leadership of this church. What I would describe as God's administration here. <laughs> We sit around and we talk about ways to care for your soul so you can be equipped and have the, what you need to do the work of ministry. It is not a consolation prize. It is not extra. It's not an add-on. It's not a premium channel, right? It, it, it's a subscription. <laughs> Y'all don't like that word, millennials. It's a subscription of submission to what God has for you. Which means you should respect it for what it is. You should try to listen. And I see y'all, y'all are trying to listen. I see you Praise God, y'all. Some of y'all even trying to take notes in my sporadic preaching sometimes. Sometimes I'd be getting off, getting lost in illustrations. I'm like, what was I saying again? Thank you. I'm just a pastor, I ain't no orator. I was looking at TED talks, I like watch like five of them bad boys some of those folk are good some of them ain't too good but i'm not a ted talks person i'm just a pastor for y'all right explain the truth and so there is a call for you to submit to hear. and what you don't hear to call an elder and ask or call me send me an email oh my gosh i hate seeing emails on a sunday after i preach but anyway <laughs> the, the line i was wondering this about your sermon Crit. no that's all right that's why i'm here If you don't submit, and I know you're some of you are afraid of the cultic personality. Okay? I am too. You know who the worst what the wor- who the worst cultic personality in the world is? The greatest false prophet in the world is you. By yourself. Yeah? Oh, what? Yeah, you thought the false prophet was a guy, a a woman up here, right? Telling all these deep truths. It's you. You be lying to yourself. I know because I lie to myself, right? I'm the pastor up here preaching, but on Monday, I'm like forgetting what I even preach, getting all lost. Got to call Amari and Derek. Hey, man, I don't know if I believe this no more. I quit. I don't only quit the church. I just quit, period. Hey, Amen. I'm getting, I'm going to Charleston. I'm getting on a boat. I'm going to go do something. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to be a longshoreman somewhere. I don't know. But I quit. Right? I tell myself lies, and you need to hear the truth, right? Let me, let me tell you what I mean as the pastor of a church in our former government we have here because i know there's a lot of questions about presbyterianism and why and what it's a form of discipleship like baptist is a form and presbyterian is a form and methodist is a form and it's it's a, it's a type of discipleship that that's part of the administration what we do do you know what really is awesome about our our little form of i'm just gonna brag about ours for a minute i'm not asking you to just submit mm-hmm. i have to submit too we're not one of these churches where everybody has to submit except the pastor. Everybody has to submit except the people in leadership. No, I got to submit too. I have elders. They got equal vote with me. I have presbyters, other pastors. They can take me out, make me lead, whatever, right? Submission, my point is this. Submission is what it means to be a believer. It's not about who's the best or who's the greatest preacher, who's the greatest leader, who knows the most theology. It's about being a person who knows Christ and who wants to grow in faith. And I need to grow too. Submission is a gift of God for you to grow in the administration of the gospel. Let me go ahead and finish this up. So the Gentile believer in this passage, this church is coming together. Here's the stuff about not being alone and being in submission. They like that because they've been alone for so long, so long. For they realize what this is really about. It's about finally getting a chance to know God, right? Let's look at this passage the way it opens. Y'all hang in with me today. Um, I'm a little rusty from being off, but just just hang in here. Look at verse 14 in chapter 3. For this reason, this prayer says, I bow my knees before the Father. Now this is a pastor praying for his people. For every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what, are the, what is that breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's prayer is that the Ephesians see and appreciate and celebrate their calling to be a part of God's eternal family y'all and in that that they would know God. The height and depth. You know what it is? It's an allusion to the temple building in the Old Testament where God's special like spiritual presence lived on earth. And so his point is that when God's people come together in community under submission and togetherness, focus around the Lord, they become like the temple, which means the Lord is there. The Lord is here in a special way. Like when God's people gather, two or three gathered in his name, God is there in a special way. And as verse 21 says, that his glory be in the church. Like it is nowhere and no way else, get this, that the church, this intentional institution of diverse relationships is God's very instrument for people to come close to God and to know the love of Christ. That through us, the institution, the intentional, purpose-driven togetherness around King Jesus, that God shows up and shows off and reveals Himself and His love and His grace like nowhere else in the world, like no other community in the world. So, bottom line, how can we come to know God how can you come to know the God that made you or, or by being submitted here, giving and joined in and part of the church under and in the teaching and ministry and worship of God? But this knowledge is more than head knowledge. For what Paul describes in verse 19, look with me right here. It says here, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, Knowing something that surpasses knowledge. How are you going to know something you can't know, right? You see, the church, our diverse community of people, is where we are touched and healed and filled by the Spirit of God himself see, Gentiles were forbidden by Jewish Old Testament law to come into the temple courts where God's people worshipped. And only the high priest could go into the most holy place where God's holy presence was. But his message, this message goes above and beyond the temple that they were excluded from. This message, this passage is saying that they themselves will be filled with the love of God, that we will be touched within spiritually, that just as his presence really filled the temple, his community of faith in its fullness, in its fellowship, in his teaching and preaching, God himself, God's spirit is going to come and touch us and change us with the truth of the gospel, that he is going to come in our community as we're gathered around, as we're sharing with with each other, as we're reading through the same old Bible study as last year, right? As we hear that same old prayer about somebody mama or somebody's sister or somebody's job, right? As we sit around community group, and oh, man, why did they have to come, right? As we sit around that, that same raggedy old group of people, that raggedy old temple, right? That raggedy old three or four people you've been meeting with sharing the same stuff. I'm still struggling with this. Can y'all pray for me? Right? The same raggedy. Y'all raggedy. It's a raggedy old house. But it is a temple of the holy and living God. As you come together, His fullness and His presence does amazing stuff. You know what gets me going when I came here on Sunday? It ain't, oh man, I think I got a good sermon today. That ain't it. I really think God's going to work. I'm expecting something ridiculous to happen. I'm actually expecting some of you as you sing the songs and as you hear Kelly talk about, you know, y'all need, and all of that. And when you hear the prayer, when, a, when the meet and greet, somebody touch a hand or, hey, how you doing? But that that look looking at them in your eyes and them looking you in your eyes. Hey, you ever been here before? Like all that kind of stuff. that that, that hearing the Word and and then taking a Lord's Supper, that something ridiculous is going to happen, you are going to change. The Holy Spirit is going to come and make an incredible work and do an incredible work in your life in a way that if you stayed home in the bed by yourself, by choice, it wouldn't happen. We're talking about something spiritual, y'all. We're not talking about some kind of thing we we drummed up. We in here raggedy as can be. I'm telling you, right? What I'm saying, you know, all my words on the paper, they ain't perfect. All the notes, we got some good musicians, they might be perfect. But close, right? The song ain't always tuned. Like the it, the mics, the, oh, Doug, how's the mics? I don't know, we working with it, right? The chairs, some of them got little tears in them. they be brand new, right? Like, we, we trying, y'all. Some of y'all forgot it was, you know, you're supposed to move your clock in. You came in late. You, you came in fussing. The kids were late. All, the coffee ran out. I don't know what it was. But if you're here together, the fullness of a perfect God in His perfect love for raggedy orphan people who could barely get it together to even create this kind of environment, He is here in His fullness, and we don't need a nice building. We don't need the lights. We don't need this. I don't need this little iPad thing. You know, I don't need this Bible lifetime leather. I love it. You know, I don't need none of that. If we come together around the word submitted in togetherness, guess what? God is going to show up. Where are you? You don't have to have it together. Sometimes you don't even have to know why you showed up. God knows why he came. That's what grace is about. Sometimes you're like, well, I don't even know why I'm here. Why did I get up for this men's Bible study? I don't know what's happening. Why did I come to the Wednesday women's thing? Why am I going to community group? What am I doing here? God knows, and that's all that matters. God is here in an intentional institution. Why would you stay away? Even if you're not a believer, come on in. Have people, hey, can I come to your church? It sounds like it's a lot of fun. All right, come on. You want to play with fire? Come on. God is a consuming fire, y'all. Right? I I believe that. Y'all think I'm crazy? I am crazy because I believe it. Pastor Brown, tell us a little bit of what you're doing at that church. All right. If if you want that, I mean, I can't control the spirit. You come around these people. You go to community group. They come all up in your house praying and talking. Hey, why don't we have a group of y'all come over for dinner at the house? All right. If you bring believers up in there, two or three. See, we're going to go crazy on this a little bit, like these next few sermons. We're going to go crazy about God using you in your groups together. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much. That even in this raggedy temple, families, communities, neighborhoods, Same old community group. Same old Bible study stuff. The fullness, God's spirit comes to deliver and meet his people. Lord, I pray that you would just deposit love in our souls beyond what we can know. Lord, help us not feel we got to kind of sort of completely understand all the points of it to get your love. So we come together in this kind of mystic communion, Lord. Mysterious spiritual communion as we come together physically. Work. Work, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.